This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello there and welcome to this week's View from the Gladys Street fan podcast, brought to you via the Royal Blue, Acast and iTunes channel. I'm your host, Ian Kroll, and this week's show will be split into two sections. The first, we will look back and discuss the first game of the season against Crystal Palace. And as we haven't been around the table since before deadline day, we will discuss Everton's closing summer transfer business and what it means for the rest of the season. To do so and sat around the table with me, we have two eager guests. The first is the return of Mark Crotty. You all right, Mark? How are you doing? Hello, good afternoon. Finishing off the starting lineup, we have Connor O'Neill. How are things, Connor? Not too bad, Ian, yourself? Yeah, I'm... Uh, could be a little bit better, I suppose, after the, the, the nil-nil draw away to Palace. So, Mark, your initial thoughts after probably is a disappointing nil-nil draw? Yeah, or frustration, I think. It was just like a deja vu of last season's game, wasn't it? Um, same kit as well. Um, <laughs> it it epitomises us at the moment, doesn't it? I think when we've got uh, a team that sort of likes to come out and have a go at us, we sort of... We've, we've mastered that a bit now. We can pick them off a bit. When a team sits in against us, we're still lacking that quality in the final third and the know-how how to break these teams down. And Palace, for the last two or three seasons at Salhurst Park, have sat in with 11 men behind the ball and said, come and break us down, and we've struggled to do so. Um, it's the Hodgson way, isn't it? It is the Hodgson way. And, and, and I was watching it thinking, how boring are they? Do you know what I mean? It's just the City 11 men behind the ball. Backhand the compliments in a way, because obviously they must fear everything in that, in that sense. But struggled, and, and then with the conditions, um, I gave Klopp stick last season for talking about wind, but when you watched that on Saturday, that was horrendous, wasn't it? The mm. ball was just swirling around everywhere, and it just looked like one of those games early doors that we were going to struggle to to break down. Um, comfortable with um, the, the, the back, comfortable with the defending, um, even when they breached the line with the goal, he was in form. So it was just more day of a frustration rather than overall disappointment. Um, and it also it almost feels like the season starts properly next week, mm. if you know what I mean. It feels like that that game was just like the sort of final pre-season game and we're going into it from the Watford home game. So, um, yeah, frustration. But I think when we go on to talk about it, I think the signings might make that difference. And obviously we'll talk about that in due course. I mean, Evan Connor don't tend to get off the good starts anyway, do we? You know, the past... Um, couple of seasons, the first game of the season, we haven't really got three points. So I suppose there's, over the past couple of seasons, there's been that early optimism. But a nil-nil draw against Crystal Palace, you can't help but just feel a little little bit deflated. Yeah, I think it was deflating because of the way the game went as well. Because you look at the start, maybe we should have been one up inside, what was it, two minutes, you know? Mm-hmm. Gilfie Sigerson's got to hit the target, let alone... He just doesn't score. catch it at all, does he? He just like... scuffs it. I think we had a couple of other half chances where maybe he might have thought something was going to fall. And like Mark said there, it kind of just went into deja vu mode from last season and that all our limitations were just bare, and especially when Gomez went off. You know, I think Silver even alluded to himself, didn't he, afterwards? He, he said, oh, well, once, once Gomez went off, we lost our way, mm. which isn't great to hear because you don't want to be... The whole point of like the recruitment and the way we were going was we're not going to become dependent on certain individuals it's not good after one game where you know mm. the manager saying oh once we lost 
oh, Mr. Creative midfielder, that, that was it then, you know, we, we knew we were gonna mm. we were gonna struggle or we did struggle. So, I, I, I find that strange that comment. I, I get what he's saying, but I felt Gomez had the poor first half anyway. It wasn't great. Mm. Um I think that's more leading towards the fact of what he sees he's got though. Yeah. I think he's probably looking at it thinking, well, he is the only man who can sit and who got on the ball and make something happen against Delph, the team. Delph can, but then he's injured as well. I think exactly, if you look yeah. at the last game of last season, so we had a settled midfield of Gay and Gomez sort of thing. I know Gay and Gomez on the bench, but we've gone from losing Gay to then during that game losing Gomez through injury. The last game of pre-season losing Delph through injury and losing Schneider and being sent off. There's four midfielders turning around in mm. less than 90 minutes. Yes. Um, so it, it's just one of those things that everything sort of what could have gone wrong in midfield went wrong and then the new guy came on um, some good things some poor things he obviously will give him time to grow but it just it, it it's probably to come out with a clean sheet we've got to look at that as a positive um, and like we say we all know we've got to sort of master that final third now and that's that's the next objective isn't it um, but yeah I think the Delph injury last week probably didn't help because he would have been a clear starter on Saturday uh, and is that sort of carrier of the ball from midfield um, and that was lacking I think wasn't it? it was especially when Gomez did go off uh, so yeah just it is one of those wipe those off just it's gone we've got a point we've got a clean sheet and then let's start again and make sure we get three points at Watford uh, against Watford next week I think that the, the big thing if, if we are looking at positives was you know Meaner and Keane mm. look, look quite settled and I know there was a couple of moments where you know there was a few heart and mouth moments where the ball bounced or you, you know but I think the thing we've got to come to accept is that's going to naturally happen with me and I playing in the back four because he's not the most sort of traditional, conventional defender. He, he likes to try his own things, if that's the right way to put it. Mm. Um, so I think that's going to happen. Obviously, it'll take time for him and Keane to build up a relationship because, you know, for, I know Keane Mina was at the club last year, but, you know, for large parts, it was Keane and Zuma all the way. It's now me and Keane, so it's got to... It's got, it's got to give time to blossom, but they did look solid and they did they, they did look strong. Okay, you could say they weren't up against much in terms of a potent attack and threat, and yeah. there is bigger, far bigger um, battles to come in, in that regard. But I think in terms of them getting getting used to each other and getting the feet, you know, getting the, getting themselves going, it, it was beneficial that we were playing maybe someone like Palace, not you know a top team who, who could have maybe isolated one of them or you know made a show of either one of them. Like mm. like we saw the you know the Chelsea game the weekend. Zuma and Aspilaqueta just got absolutely torn to shreds mm. because they were playing a way that just suited the counter attack and mm. fast pace. We were forced that we didn't have that the weekend and hopefully that'll be a, a good thing in, in the long run. I, I mean think he's got quality don't mean it hasn't he? You, you can just tell. He's an absolute unit, isn't he? And if he starts exerting that authority in every game, yeah. we've got like an absolute powerhouse of a centre half. And I think with Zuma is is that I it wasn't until the last two or three months that I was convinced to buy him. It was yeah. up till mm-hmm. February I was saying, no, nah, I'm not buying him because you I watch, just thought he was sloppy. If you just watched him yesterday, you'd yeah, exactly. be made up that we didn't buy him, wouldn't you, in his own respects? If you, if you remember the Spurs game and we got hammered at home, he was all over the shop. And mm-hmm. it's just, But he built that partnership, Silver worked with him. And that's why I'm a fan of Silver, because you can see in my view that when he works with them on a week-to-week basis, mm-hmm. they, they form partnerships, they understand what they're doing. It looks like he's gone back to Chelsea now, Lampard's throwing him back into a different team and he's just like yeah. rabbit in headlights yesterday, wasn't he? Um, but that's not to say I don't still want him because I think he would suit Everton down to the ground at the moment. So maybe there's still a deal in the future there, but um, as long as Keane and Mina stay fit, 
I'm not worried about that. I think because they, that they, them two will grow into a good partnership. I've no doubt. I mean, we'll come on to it, but obviously yeah, yeah. the defensive cover is. It's going to be an issue, isn't it? Because it's highly unlikely that they're going to play 38 Premier League games. But I think the issue from from Saturday on the game itself, I know we're going to touch on transfers a little bit later on, but from the game itself is, you all of a sudden come away thinking, my God, we look thin on the ground. Mm. And that's not the best position to be in after one game, you know. (laughs) Like like Mark said, we've lost four midfielders in the space of, you know, not even 180 minutes worth of football. You know, I will be... By all accounts, has got till Friday to prove that he he can he's fit. So you can't really expect much from him next week. Um, Gabon's come out and said that he's still a bit off the pace and needs time to adjust. So I, it's another one. So it, it's you know all of a sudden thinking, well, it could be September here before it could be after the international break before we actually see the mm-hmm. the kind of the real Everton that Silver is hoping to, hoping to have because well, it was like that with like the likes of Bernard and stuff exactly, last season, yeah. wasn't it? I mean, you know, Mo- Mosey. Ken is another one, you know, and that was the big thing I think as well. Look at look at the game the weekend was, you, you kind of you don't want to put too much pressure on the young lad. He, he's nineteen, twenty. He's not really been a main centre mainstay centre forward. Obviously, Juventus he played second fiddle to mm. a lot of very good players, um, and you kind of don't want to put pressure on him and be you know you've got to score 30, 20, 30 goals a season for us. But then you're watching Saturday and you're thinking, my God, we need this this kid to do something because. We are otherwise going to have the same problems as what we've had we are, for uh, the last two years because we, we, we just lack that little bit of composure, that little bit of clever instinctive play in the final third. And, you know, ultimately, you, you look at the league now, that could be the difference between us finishing ninth and sixth because the way it's looking, it's going to be competitive and tight. And, you know, a lot of teams are going to take points off each other. So you don't want to put pressure on them. But after that 90 minutes on Saturday, I was thinking we need this kid to come in and do something and, think, and hit the ground running because if not, we're back at, we're back at square one. I was going to say, I think a home with a different animal though, aren't we? If mm. you look from February onwards, how good we were at home, never even conceded the goal. Um, and we do seem to create and score goals at Goodison. I think it's, it's more the away form that you that continued against Palace. Um, so we'll see on Saturday how... I mean, Watford at home last year was Jordan, that sort of iffy spell, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, we managed to scrape it 2 2. I'd expect us to go and beat Watford on Saturday, even if Keane's not fit and what it, if Keane doesn't start and whatever. So, Saturday be a good indicator if we've picked up the home form from last season, we can carry them good results on, keep clean keep clean sheets. Uh, we, it's just a different, and that's where Moise Keane comes into it in terms of. We need to make sure he's well supported at Goodison and feels loves at Goodison yeah. and got all that support because you can go and get some goals and the away form will eventually come. Th- um, I think that's the, the big thing is that, that as good as the home form was and, and it has been, I think to make the next kick on to make the kick on and, and improve and potentially bridge the top six, we've got to pick point we've got to win games away from home because without winning the games away from home, mm-hmm. you you always Kind of going to be an eighth place team, you know. You could be, we can make good as a fortress, yeah. but you've got to pick points up on the road to to yeah. give yourselves that it's little bit of an extra chance. Last season, wasn't it? Yeah, and, they, and they've got our Bamiang, who's one of the best players in the league for me. And yesterday, probably would have been a nil nil, yeah, if it wasn't if for our Bamiang's yeah. crack and finish and stuff. So, we, we we know we're not a finished article, and it's going to be, I think, at least this time next year before we start seeing a fully settled silver side. Um, but what you want to see from last season. To the start of next season is, is is progress, isn't it? You want more points. We want better cup runs. We want to see where we're going. Um, and I liked that last week where he said in his pre 
press conference before the game was, what's your targets? And he simply just said to do better than last season. And I think that's right. You've got to progress. I mean, don't don't set stupid targets. Don't say we're going to finish fourth. Say, I want to do better than last year. And I think we'll all take that at this stage. Um, and don't throw the cups away to your Millwalls and your Southampton. Well, I, th- I think I mean? the, the big indication will be the League Cup, won't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because that'll be the first one where we will kind of see if he has learned from yeah, last season's mistakes because it. the Southampton home game, the Millwall one for me was was always a different one because that was his best team he had that, or the best team he had available. Well, he didn't throw that one, did he? And that was his best team that he had available. Mm. It wasn't like he went there and played a weakened team because he, he was arrogant that he was going to get through. He got let down by his better players that yeah. night who didn't want to roll the sleeves up and, yeah. and have a battle in the rain when Millwall yeah. did want to have a battle in the rain. The Southampton one for me was the real sticking point yeah, because he, he rested a lot of his big name players. I think thinking, oh, well, we should have enough to, to get past Southampton. They were second bottom, I think, at the time when, when the company was really struggling under Mark Hughes and mm-hmm. we just about scraped penalties before eventually being dumped out on penalties. Wanted, uh, look at some players as well that night, didn't he? It was his only opportunity to sort of have a look. But it, you know, it, it, it completely backfires yeah. and, and it cost us mm. in the long run again. So I think... The, the League Cup will be the first indication mm-hmm. as to whether he has kind of wised up and thought, yeah. no, actually, I'm not be, I'm not going to be Mr. Nice Guy no more. Yeah, no, I, I, know, I know by now some of them aren't good enough and they're not going to play. And yeah. for that, we just go full, full team. Well, if he, that's if he can feel a strong team with the way things are going <laughs> at the minute. I think well, it's more you, you've got to put the strongest team out available to you, yeah. hasn't it? I mean, mm. that night, I think Richarlison, Walcott on the bench. There was a couple who never even made the squad who were in the stands. You can't, you can't have that. Like I say, the Millwall mm. game, he put his best team out available. He was just let down by the players not wanting mm. to have a battle in the rain. Southampton was far from it. So I think that'll be the first real indication where we see whether he has learned from his mistakes and whether he has, he is, go he, is, he is going for it in terms, in terms of this is a real competition that we mm. can win. Well, when is it then? What's the, what's the first round that we're in? I think we are next. We're in the draw tomorrow, aren't yeah. are we? The second round we end. It's we end before the end of the month, isn't it? Yeah. September fixture. Because I think it's towards the end I of, think it's I think not of August. August. Yeah, I think it is. is it? Well, I don't know because they're playing. I know that the, the first round, they've played over two weeks because some games played last week and some, the rest get played tomorrow. But I know the draw is tomorrow at Salford, Salford's ground. I think it's before the end of the month because last year, um, Sanzo played, didn't he? And then got sold. Mm-hmm. The next day, so the, so the European transfer window was still open. Yeah, I remember. I remember Sandro. We actually had a good game. <laughs> I was thinking, oh well, you never know. <laughs> and he was gone the next morning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> which kind, which kind of tells you again how serious he was taking it because he knew Sandro was gone. Yeah, yeah. He probably, he's yeah. probably just giving a game to, to save someone else. So that's it. That kind of does show how, how serious we took that one. Well, all right. Just to finish off on Palace, then you, you mentioned all the positives defensive wise, but. Did you not think we created some chances anyway? We yeah, just we couldn't did. convert them. Like that was a positive for me, really. Just yeah. lacked a bit of cutting but, edge. Go on, we, we did last year, though, didn't we? Mm. Like, like we did create yeah, chances last year, didn't we? Just, yeah. and, and we created chances in a lot of other games last year, but we didn't take That's them. Right. And again, like you said, like Mark said earlier, it's just deja vu. It's deja vu mm. because you're thinking, you know. I remember that. I mean, they, they were that Sigurdsson should have scored first. Man, there's no, there's no two ways about it. It was a oh, centre of goal. 12 yards out you know he, he's got to bury that then there was a nice corner routine I think where Tigerton picked up Richardson on the deck and he's it he's flying in but someone's headed off the line then there was Coleman at the far post where he's he's coming on it um, and he and he should have he should have scored keeper saved it um, cleared off the line second half and then Richardson's just hit it on so there was it's not like we've gone there and struggled to create anything there's definitely chances there but 
Um, ruthless sides are just gobbling them up, aren't mm. they? And putting them two or three. It's the difference, and... isn't it, between you know finishing where we did and yeah. and not getting the um, not getting a Champions League spot at the minute. Playing some nice stuff and then. Yeah, the final third. So you've got to hope the likes of a Wobie and, and, and Keane settle and, and we can um and we can start putting these chances away. Um but like I said, at Goodison it seems to be that we do put them away. Yeah. Away from home it just seems to be like we hit hit a blank, don't we? So I mean, even the top sides, you know, when they're struggling they're always nick a one nil, you know, grand out a win. We do struggle to yeah. to do that, don't we? Yeah, the Bremen was the same last year. It was pre season friendly, but he took that serious. He mm. played the full strength team. Again, creating chances. Bernard hits it over from a good chance and um, other chances second half and we're just not putting them away. Um, we know that's the next step. <laughs> You've got to work on I, I think I think if, if any football fan outside of like the Everton bubble should be, or circle, should we say, needed any reason as to why Evertonians are being moaning for song, what we need a forward. Whilst that 30... Four second clip that you've the club put out themselves <laughs> of the chance against. I think we had three chances in the space yeah. of about 10 seconds, yeah. and everyone was scuffed, yeah. you know. Yeah. Not pro- and then in the end, Bernard just blazes over from over. 10 yeah. yards out. It's, it, it was a, a clear example of yeah. why Evertonians have long 100%. Well, this, about the needs of a forward, yeah. I mean, but this is the thing, no, you, we, we say we need a forward, and, and we did, and we, we've got one hopefully who's going to go on and be successful at the club. But you look at those chances that fell. To the players, Jordan the Crystal Palace game. What was it? Sigurdsson, midfielder, Coleman had one, Richarlison who played on the right, probably should have scored at least yeah. probably two, you would yeah. have thought. So it goes back to what Connor was saying. The pressure that Keane's under, obviously to score goals, but it should be the whole Scoring team, options, really. Isn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. But I mean, people rave about Bernard, and I get it. I get that he's a lovely little footballer, but he scored one goal since he's been here, mm. I think. And and his end product at the moment, sitting here as we're talking. Is, is non-existence at the moment and that has to get better if he wants to stay in the side um, Sigurdsson I said this on a couple of podcasts last season he's a conundrum for me because if he's not effective in a game Everton aren't effective but, and he has too many ineffective games so when you say about we scored 12-13 well, well he should because the side's built around him to score goals and, and so therefore you know, are we negating other players scoring goals because we have to play through him I think that's going to be something that we look at, and and if Silva does revert to a four three three at some point this season, where he might have Bam and Delph Gomez, and then a front three, Sigurdsson might be the four guy, um, forty five million number ten or not, he's he at the moment is an absolute conundrum for me, and he might go and score against Watford next week, and everyone goes shut up, Mark. But I I see it too often. I see it too often where he is absolutely anonymous in a game, mm. and if you have a number ten, you have he, he has to perform. Because it's centred around him. So it'd be interesting to see what happens to him over the next few weeks. I, I personally think Bernard and Sigurdsson are fighting for the place in the, the starting mm. eleven going yeah. forward. Because I think you look at like a Wobi coming in, mm-hmm. Richarlison, Walcott, Mosey Keane. There's real options there now going forward where, you know, does Bernard get in? Because if, you know, why, why go out and spend all that money and make such a big effort to get a Wobi over the line? Mm. You're not going to use him. Silver said he came out and said that he'd been a target for a while. So but he's going to play. He's going to play because he's got no option but to play. Mm. You know, Mosey, can you imagine we'll be playing up top? But Charleston will probably play on the other flank to whichever one a Wobie is on. It's one of them two outs, isn't it? So then all of a sudden, ben, the mm. Bernard's struggling to get. And like Mark says, Sigurdsson, you know, if we get Delph Gomez back fit, 
you know they're playing. Aren't they're they? gonna they're gonna play. So just cigarettes and then go in front of them and you, they carry them. It's, it's an interesting time because you you can't help but think there must be something behind the scenes because why would still go and make an effort to to bring them players in, mm. especially with a Obi because that deal looked dead in the water mm. and looked like there was no chance. And I think the fact that we went back and you know done our utmost to get them in tells tells a lot. So I think them them two, if if I'm being, I think them two. Could be fearing for the place in the starting eleven going forward. Well, he wants a number six, and he's already said that's between Kabamman and Schneider, and so one yeah. of them two are going to play every week without a doubt. Delph hasn't come to sit on the bench, so he's going to play, mm-hmm. and Gomez is going to play, so he's going to have a midfield three. And there's no, there's, there's no way in there <laughs> Gomez, is, Delph, sorry, is going is going to play a left back no, when he played for City, is because not. he's not going to dislodge no, Lucadine no, no, no. in that position. So, so, so there's your midfield three for me. So then. And uh, logic already tells you that Wobie, Keane and Richarlison could potentially be a front three, couldn't he, and play mm. either side. And uh, Where's Bernard and Sigurdsson and that, you know what I mean? So there's there's, there's options, and, and, and what it does say is that they have to perform now. Sigurdsson can't have another game like that against Watford. Yeah. If he plays, he's got, to, he's got to play well, and he's got to contribute, and he's got to make chances and even put chances away. That's his role now. Um same with Bernard. I love his little flicks, little turns, little passages of play, his one twos. It's just not enough, though, is it? It's not enough. We've got a producer in the box. Imagine saying, you know, at, at City, staring, you know, oh, he's a lovely little player, but he's only scored one all season. It, 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 wouldn't have it, would they? And that's the way we've got to start thinking, well, actually, yeah, nice player, but you've got to start having some end product. I, I think the thing we said about Sigurdsson, though, yeah, do, yeah. does he do enough no, overall? Does you know, does, does, he, does he do enough? And I, I know people might say, oh, well, he might, he might have a bit more because he'll have a, a proper forward to hit this year and stuff like that. But I, I struggle to see where he's going to get in because I think that front three is going to play with a lot of pace, mm-hmm. which means you've got to have three midfielders who can yeah. get round exactly. box to box because you, you imagine a Wolby and Richardson are going to play mm-hmm. quite high up the pitch. Yeah. So you've got to have a midfield three who can get around because if, if, if they can't, we're going to be far, yeah. far too open. Well, your width will come from the full-backs, which is obviously what he wants. Yeah. It's clear as day that he wants his full-backs up the pitch. And then if you have got a carrier from midfield like Delph and you have got a playmaker like Gomez, then there's your creativity. And your number uh, six is, is Gabbard sitting, six in, front, sits, is sitting yeah. in front of them. So from here, I think he's really, really angling towards that 4-3-3. Um, it's just that everyone's not fitting right into goal that, yet, that, I think they? that's the thing once... In a couple of weeks, it'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking at now Sigurdsson, is he doing enough to justify his place in the team going forward? You probably have to say no, he isn't. Mm-hmm. So it's a big time for him. Isn't so it? it's you know it's time for him to, to step up and, and especially with the games we've got coming up. I mean, I know you should never say it, but these are the games we'd expect Sigurdsson to make an impact. Now mm. you expect the game. I mean, a lot of these games are where you would expect him to grab them by the scruff of the neck and create something out of nothing, and like he done a lot at Swansea, where he could produce something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. I don't really think we've seen that yet with Sigurdsson. I think he's shown flashes where he's been, you know, really good and he's created and, you know, he's left flying stuff like that. But there's been too many times for me where he's not took responsibility when it's mattered most. And, 70, 80 minutes you where you, you haven't mentioned them. Do you think he fits into where Silva's trying to get to in terms of a model of playing? Not eventually. I no, think, I I think, I think eventually, once if we do move to a 4 3 3 with sort of high. High wingers like and and out and out and out box the box. Yeah, the you know, as well. number nine. I struggle. I don't think he will because you you can't carry him. Yeah, well, he's not a central midfielder, and I think as a number ten, you're just carrying him. You're carrying him, then aren't you? You're carrying him. There's options now, and then there's only going to be even more options in the future because we will buy again next year. So it, it's it's you know. 
it's a massive time for him. He has to produce, or you'll start slowly seeing him. I think ever away. Well, you, you're, you're have to look now, don't you? You know, we're already potentially being like linked with going back and forth to court, right? So ah. Uh, in, Jan- in January, well. you know, it's it's not even like next summer. There's some reports saying, "Oh, they'll go back in in January." Yeah. You know, by all I mean, I've not seen it by all accounts. Silver and Zaha were hugging after yeah. the game the weekend, and <laughs> Great it, picture that one in, in a warm it. embrace and <laughs> and as a as a chat, which I don't think went <laughs> down too well with the, the palace. You know what I mean? But he's, Open he, he's, clearly, he's clearly not like you know. He's cl- <laughs> clearly not turned his back on him because we haven't got the deal done. If you there's know, anything so. in that Brazilian kid as well, because he's an attacking midfielder number ten. So if they yeah. do manage to pull that off, which would be a real coup, I think for Everton. But again, he's looking in that position, isn't he? He's looking mm. for young legs, and it almost seems at times that. Um, the game's too fast for him, if you know what I mean. He's 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 just that half yard. So it was it was it was him giving the ball away that got Gomez injured, and then so Wait, it was just little things like that on Saturday that were annoying. He does slow the play down mm. a lot when we're trying to counter attack. Obviously, he's got he's got his attributes, hasn't he? You know, passing, mm-hmm. you know, long passing, long shots, and stuff like that. He's not Silver's man, but Silver's kind of showed faith in him and stuck with him. And suppose he was you know joint top goal scorer last season, but you know. It's not enough, is it? You know, it's got to be. It's got to be more this mm-hmm. season, and you know, it's only one game. Got to you know see what he's got over the next couple of weeks, and like I say if it if it doesn't transpire that yeah, he's gonna um, you know be up to scratch, then he's gonna be well. Hopefully, out the team with someone else, you know, taking his place. Options, isn't it? Says options, and people who play have got to perform. I think that's what he's trying to get at, and it's only gonna get better in the January and summer next year where more people will come in and more people will go out and eventually he'll get his team, his model and the way people want to play and everyone's mm. got to be dedicated to it. Uh, what do we so make yeah. of um, Snardland then? You know, a player whose Everton career was virtually over at certain parts of last season, yeah. thrust into the starting lineup. Played, I don't know what you think, but I thought he played okay. thought he relatively okay. You know, his midfield partner went off the pitch. I mean, did he deserve to be sent off? Was it a double? double I, I thought he was a bit un- unlucky to be sent off. To be yeah. honest, I thought he was a little bit unlucky. But in this day and age, now it's not really surprising that he that he did see red. And he had um, about before he got booked. He had about I reckon two or three challenges where the referee yeah. was a bit lenient. Tested his patience. In um, the I think it's a strange one, Snyland, because there's there's never been any doubt in that. He's got ability. He got he can offer something. I mean, you look at when he first joined the club under Ronald Koeman. He was fantastic for that, that that final six months of the season where we, we got on a bit of a run. And if anything, he was quite a bit of a focal point mm. to the run. He'd he, he done really well. Obviously, his attitude and stuff like that over the over the last couple of years has been questionable and you know his desire to leave the club and stuff like that. But I think we're ultimately a position now where we've got to use him because we've got no one else. You know, that, I think ultimately that was what, what a selection come down to. I don't... I think the one thing that did show me is that he's clearly ahead of Tom Davis in the pecking order because... I think he sees them as different roles though, doesn't he? I, he does, but he could have easily put Tom Davis mm. in there if he really doesn't like Schneider and he really sees no future for him. Because you look at some of the other players who he sees clearly got no future. Mm. McCarthy's gone. Nias can't get a look in. But um, he said, didn't he, in his pre-match press conference, it's important, was it... Yeah, pre- yeah. yeah, it's impossible for Snardin to leave. It is now because of yeah. the way the transfer window pilot. Because if they got the core, he would have gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I would fully would have expected that. Yeah, um, and I think that's what was lined up, wasn't it? But then when he couldn't go, and then we never got the centre half, and Snardin's got to stay because at times, Gabama might have to 
Confidence to half. Yeah. <laughs> so Schneiderlin's going to be. So I mean, it's not the full season. We've got to get through till January like this. So it's 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 and and there's there's plenty of breaks in that time. So. Do you think we will go for players in January yeah. though? After last after last January, we just thought the players went. I there, think I, I think we will know. I, I'm not too sure. I think a lot will depend on what they're getting quoted, figure wise, and how well the clubs are doing. Because I think, you know, like, like for instance, you know, Palace with Zahar, I think if they're down there and they're struggling, which I think they will be, because they, they, they just, for me, look absolutely dire. Like, how? But surely they'd be better off selling Zahar then? A player who doesn't even want to be there and just, you know, spend it on. I, I know what you're saying, but I think what they'll be thinking is, they do that. Who are they going to bring well, in? Because they've, who's they've going? They've got between who, now and January to line people up. Who, then, but they? I think the... I think what they'll be thinking is who are they going to? Who's going to honestly want to go there if they are in a relegation fight? Mm-hmm. You know. Well, that's obviously it's obviously after you know um, wet their appetite with a bit of money, money, wouldn't yeah, you? Yeah, do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's the only thing that's going to. Uh, I mean, the, the the big thing for with the the Zahar deal is the European window still open, and you you wouldn't. You know, you can't, can't you can't me. not coming in for. You, you don't know. You know, Palace might mm-hmm. take. I mean, Palace might take. 40 odd million from a European club and say, well, we, we can't come back to Haunters, so, you know, off, off you go. Mm. I don't think Which, they'll get rid of them now. I think it'll be the earliest January, to be fair. But yeah, it depends if we're still even in for Zaha. <laughs> um, you know, it's, it, plenty can happen between now and January. What it, why I think we will buy in January, regardless of what we're doing, is, is that he knows what he wants now. He's had the full season to assess and I don't think he bought in January last year because he was waiting for the full season to assess everyone, see how we're doing. Now he knows where he wants, what he wants and we missed out on a couple of deals so them targets will be ongoing. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if we went in for Decore again in January. Um, they just what? hate us though, Offer, don't they? Yeah. They just don't want to do any business. Like, <laughs> but he's just yeah. the name that doesn't go away though, does he? Because we were linked last yeah. summer, we were linked with him. Mm-hmm. He's Great just on goal, wasn't he? He's just a yeah. name that never ever goes away, is he? Until it actually becomes an Everton player, like he's just always going to be linked with him. The three club. players who, who potentially were going to sign Zoom had a nightmare. Takori scored an own goal and Zaha was on the bench. So, Everton effect already. didn't see much when he came on, did he? Yeah, no, he didn't, to be fair. He spun him. Davis was it? Very easily, didn't he? Which I mean, the only thing I would say, he, he improved the speed of the yeah. Palace team. They are a one on went, side, aren't like, they? Until he come on, they had nothing, and then all of a sudden he come on. And even there was a couple, I think there was a time where he kicked the ball into space and ran after it. And it got the crowd excited. And I was thinking, you're just thinking, that shows how much they were like, because they've just got excited there over the yeah. fact he's kicked the ball. He's had no one to pass who's kicked the ball down the line to a bit of space and ran after That's it. And everyone clapped him, and he's so all that kind of. Well, shows you how much do you rely on them? The, the substitute then from when we got to send it off, I, I'm not saying we should have done this, but I'm just, just questioning it. The fact that Palace was so unambitious, regardless of whether we had 10 or 11 men, do you think it would have been an idea to maybe bring Walcott on rather than Davis? I and maybe that sub earlier. Yeah, you're, you're right. I, want to, I thought Richarlison was a little bit um, isolated on the right in the second half, and I was screaming for him to go on the left. Um, bring Walcott on the right, inject a little bit of pace, um, and either have Bernardo Sigurdsson in the middle, take one of them off. You could have brought Sigurdsson. No, really, yeah, I, I probably would have brought Bernardo off to be honest, yeah, yeah. and brought Sigurdsson further back. Yeah, um, that that was an option even before the red card. I was thinking that that should have been. I just think it's a Roy Hodgson team with no ambition whatsoever. Yeah, you know they didn't look like scoring even when we went down to ten men. Mm-hmm. So I know, I know, probably Silver going through his mind. Gabamon is, you know. Had a bit of a flaky start, so he didn't want it to 
he left isolated, mm-hmm. bring a, a partner mm-hmm. on and Tom Davis, who did, you know, did all right. Just thought maybe Walcott could have stretched that game slightly. Could have, definitely, as I say, even before the red card. The, uh, and, and I'd just like to have seen Richarlison from the left as well. Um, yeah. Just he was, around a bit. Yeah, just because, obviously, we, you know, he likes cutting in and stuff. And I just thought maybe if you give him a chance to maybe get a couple of shots in a goal, because he was getting denied that. Um, but then he nearly scored with his left foot, so that shut me up. But yeah, <laughs> that was unlucky, that one. Eh? Yeah, I thought it was in. I was screaming and then <laughs> sat down. Um, but yeah, it was. Um, it, it was again going back to what we're talking about. There's just there's that many sorts of permutations in that from three or four now that um, Silva's going to have to get it sort of as soon as Pot might take a few games, but eventually he will set it on a, on a front three or a four that has to score goals and has to create and uh, be insistent to see who's part of that. The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The View from the Gladys Street podcast. I mean, there's a couple of wallies on Twitter, Connor. Um, you just realised that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you two are just two of them. <laughs> <laughs> the biggest two, aren't we? Um, obviously, Gabamon. You know, had a bit of a flaky start, didn't he? But you yeah. know, people absolutely slating him on Twitter, like just because he he gave the ball away a couple of times, it's crazy, isn't it? It's what you expect now, modern modern football, isn't it? With the, the digital social media age, it's you know, I mean, I've I always think and I've always thought for a long time in that social media and the way it's gone, you're never as good as what you made out to be. I don't think you're ever as bad as what you made out to be. Yeah, yeah. If I'm being, I think, you know, I saw some stuff yesterday from, instance, Man United. Okay, they won four 0 They weren't that good. No, they weren't. They weren't. Did they, they nothing? Nothing made me look at that game yesterday and think. I tell you what, United could chance this in Liverpool this year for the title. Nothing. No. Chelsea weren't that bad. I know it's they were they were very open at the back and that that was a massive flaw, but these did actually create a lot of chances. They hit the bar, the post. They made a couple of good saves. Maguire made a good block. So they did have they did have chances. Yeah. So it, it it was a kind. It's kind of you're never as good as what. You may not to be as bad as what you are, and I think that was the same with you know Gavin the weekend. I don't think it's hard as well to judge when someone's only just joined the club, and it's like they're thrown into deep end, palace away, the swirl. I know we shouldn't talk about the conditions, but the swirling winds and oh, it was horrendous. Then we go down to ten men, and you're under a little bit of pressure then because you're all now for a point effectively. You don't you don't want to go mm. for it and get caught, so it's hard and it'll, it'll take time. Like I said, I don't. I honestly don't think we'll see the real. Start eleven of Marco Silva to full potential to possibly have the international break. I mean, it was the worst possible scenario for him to come on, wasn't it? Really, I don't think he expected to play at all. That's what I mean. You, you lose your. I know. I, I, I said he did. I don't think he was having the best game anyway. But you know, he obviously was having some sort of an impact. You lose him in Gomez, and he, you know, Gabamon comes on. It's just not what you want, is it? In your first game of the season, definitely not. No, as I said, I think he was named on the bench, but I don't think he was thinking I'm getting on today. I think <laughs> no, he was no. just there for to get him with the squad, and yeah. And um, all of a sudden, he's, he's thrusted on. He got caught on the ball a couple rather than giving it away, he just got caught on the ball, which will easily, um, he'll easily get over that because he'll just get up to speed with the Premier League. He'll understand from that little 45 minutes that he can't dawdle on the ball. He mm. hasn't got as much time on the ball as the Bundesliga. And, and and he'll grow. But what I did see from him was size, strength, power. He won a couple of balls back and done a nice couple of one-twos. And well, there was some good bits, some bad bits. Absolutely not going to judge him, yeah. Again, we've got if we develop him well and still develop, we've got an absolute unit 
And if you start looking through the side now with the power and strength of some of these signings and players, then he could be a really good buy for us. Um, if people are judging him already, then just stop watching football, honestly. Go and watch the rugby or something, because it's absolutely unbelievable. <laughs> people just look at him, and as soon as he's kicked the ball, oh, no, get rid of him. He's not going to make it, sell him. And I had him on one of our groups, on one of the WhatsApp groups. Oh, my God, see the state of him. He was rubbish, and I'm like... Are you absolutely kidding me? Um, no. So he gets time and patience from me, absolutely no doubt. And I just hope so, uh, you know what everyone else does. Um, but, yeah, if, if he fulfills his potential, what we've seen that he has got and his size and his presence, then we've got another dominant midfielder, which is what we've wanted, isn't it? And Keane, you know, we never saw too much of him. Didn't really get much of an opportunity to get on the ball and, you know, get in front of goal. But talking about the pressure, it would be nice, wouldn't it? You know, not, not nothing's ever perfect, but it would be nice for him to get a goal early on in his Evan career, just so it's not like, oh, well, he hasn't scored, he hasn't scored weeks, weeks, you, you know, you, games you, without you've a goal. Got to lift, you've got to lift the burden as, as fast as you can. That's what I mean. I mean. You've, got to, you've got to lift it because there's nothing worse than the tension starts to grow where, yeah. you know, we saw it last year with, with, with Tosson, like where, you know, he'd get himself for to go and, he, you know, this is Shane or, you know, it, it bobble up or he just, and it just, the, the groans get bigger and louder and you can see in their own expression that they're, they're struggling and all of a sudden it just becomes a kind of a, frustrate, a frustrating period for everyone because the crowd wants them to score, the player wants to score and then in the end they get hooked because obviously it's not going, not going their way and it's just, you just want them to get over, get the first goal, and you always believe, you know, you hope that once they get the first, that's it. Then they settle in and they they start going. So the sooner he does hit the back of the net, the, the, the better, really, because they don't want it going on to like you know, the international break potentially, and he still hasn't scored. Mm. And it like like Mark said, there it goes back to like them fans on Twitter and stuff going, oh, bloody rubbish, this mm. lad, you know, all this money, and he's not solved the problem. What we've still got, you know. Does he, you know, what are them? What are Brandon Silver doing? And mm. you, you, you get don't, that now, anyway. You don't want, you, you don't want that, though. You don't want another another reason for that to be to come to fruition. You want, no. you want, come in, get a couple of goals, mm. get his confidence high. You know, get used to the Premier League and and, and get, get 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 in get get going. Almost, you know, get into the groove of of playing up from for Everton. Mm. Um, just Google there the round two for the League Cup as we commence on twenty sixth. Okay, yeah, so, so just that's us in that. Tuesday, Wednesday, won't it? Yeah, yeah. Wolves are home to be for the international break. So, yeah, just be. I think again, Goodison's just a different animal at the moment since, or well, since the derby, isn't it? We've we've won a lot of games, scored a lot of goals, haven't conceded any, and I think take that feel good factor into Watford at home next week, beat them, and then all of a sudden everyone's everyone's feeling positive again. Um, and like you say, if Keane can be in amongst the goal scorers on Saturday, um. And I think Villa are away after that. So I'm just looking at them two games together, really, because I think Villa will have a go at teams this season, yeah. and that'll suit us better. Mm. So if they come at us at Villa Park and we've got a nice sort of comeback, we'll we'll be able to get in behind them and have some chances there. I've got no doubt. So there's there's definitely some um, chances over the next few weeks, I think, for us to to to, to go I, and to. I think to that's settle. the big thing, though, isn't it? This, you look at this year, and you know the the top the, the three teams that come from the Championship last year, they all seemingly. Want to come and have a go and attack and, and, yeah, and be do, ambitious. Yeah. You know, you look at Norwich on, on Friday night. You probably say they were probably too ambitious and, <laughs> mm, and too naive with the way they went. But you know, afterwards the manager was kind of saying, "Well, no, this is the way we play. This is the way we set up. This is what we've done since day one. We're not changing that now." Mm-hmm. Villa were the same the weekend. Mm-hmm. They had to go with Aston Villa. 
I had a couple more so I had to go to Spurs and could have been a bit further ahead by half time mm. they were the best team mm-hmm. um, and again you know Sheffield United although I think maybe the one Sheffield United might change tack a little bit I think if they get one or two hammerings they might think actually no we're going to go a little bit more defensive minded but no I think I think it's actually the, the, the clubs who've been like like see Palaces and you know they're the, the teams we've they're, they're, they're the ones who, who, who's going to, you know, Newcastle under Steve Bruce, they'll be the ones who'll be the 10 men behind the board, mm. the real good dogged approach, you know, it won't, it won't be the, the new clubs who, who in previous time were the ones who used to come up with, with that attitude. You never know, see what happens. Um, just a bit of breaking news before we move on to the uh, last segments and the, the transfer deadline day segments. Um, Never had breaking news on a podcast before. So <laughs> great. Um, oh, is it good? Henry Onyakuru has completed his move to Monaco for an undisclosed fee. Surely, surely the worst signing in Everton well, history. It's, made, it's a couple of million, hasn't yeah. it? He hasn't played for us. So I know, but come on, the fact that he hasn't played for us, <laughs> even Crows have played for us. I'm guessing they anticipated that this kid was going to be fast tracking to the Nigerian team and we'd have no problem with work mm. issues, but. Um, he got into the Afcon squad in the summer and 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 still didn't play, did he? I think he played ten minutes or whatever. Mm. So he's never going to play for us. Um, Not now, anyway. <laughs> other countries are more relaxed on work permit issues and stuff, and and he's never going to play in England. So um, take the money and run on. I love the undisclosed toffees this summer, though. It's great, mm. isn't it? Dodgy as anything. <laughs> every every signing's undisclosed. I, I, I just think it's typical Everton, isn't it? You know, we sign a player. Yeah. <laughs> we, 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 we weren't even sure whether we would be able to play him. We then stuck by him for a year yeah. in the hope that he would eventually be able to play him. And now we've well, had we to now, a loan fees. Now, now we've had to just admit <laughs> our losses and sell him because we've come to the conclusion he might never play for us. Well, didn't we do something similar years ago with Alex Nayako? Offered him a five year deal, but he only had a four year work permit or something like that. <laughs> I'm sure that was I'm sure it was something like that. There is there is one like just going quickly off topic. There is one. It was a transfer, wasn't it? it the lad Luis went from City to Aston Villa mm. and I, I read something the other week saying that City have installed a buyback clause for the end of next season so they can buy him back for what yeah. they, they paid Aston what Aston Villa paid for him and under the guidelines of work permits and stuff like that he wouldn't get one for Man City because the squad is so well stacked that they it would be looked that he's not going to get the sufficient game time right. because Aston Villa is thinner on the ground. Right. He will get a game at work permit That's this summer to, to go like straight in. So effectively, he's on a year long loan to Villa. So if he gets the, the ground running, looks an asset in the Premier League, so he can just call him back next, basically get him back next mm. summer, and he'll be able to play because he'll have a work paid. permit. You know, it's. I think again, Silver it's made sure at the press conference everyone knew about the net spend and stuff as well and now with this and potentially toasting and the ass and Morales and Balassi on the way as well by the end of next year I can see quite a sort of significant spend um, and that's why I think it'll be this time next year before we start really seeing the the, the, the final the finals and it took what if you look at Klopp took him the best part of four years to get what he wanted then he waited 18 months for Van Dijk and if Silva's waiting for his men and he couldn't get them this summer then I'm fine with that absolutely fine with that just because we'll lose this four months now or season or whatever it's not all about now um, we still want to see progress but it's it's getting to that long term goal of actually we want to be consistently challenging in that top four Um and to get there, we don't want to make the mistakes of the past were stuck. I mean, Sigurdsson selling value now, 30, he's 30 years old, cost us 40, we're not getting nothing for him. We're not going to get nothing for Balassi. It'd probably be a loan until um, 
he eventually goes. So there's £65 million worth of signings that has got absolutely no resale value and has cost the club a lot of money. Mm. Um, and for what? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? For what? So these are the mistakes that the club are starting to rectify. We're starting to buy younger. And if in, say, two years' time with Charleston, we get a £120 million bid off Real Madrid or something and he wants to go, then he'll go with everyone's blessing because then we'll reinvest that money and we'll keep going. And that's the model that we have to ha- get used to and that's the model that the fans have to understand because we can't just go and buy your, your 28, 29-year-old Eden Hazard for £150 no. million. We, we, We're not that club. I, I'm, I'm fully behind what everything that you've just said and your point actually brings brings us nicely onto like the deadline day and the summer transfer window. Um, in, in, in terms of you know, building for the future and, you know, slow and kind of steady. But, Mark, have we, have we not missed a chance yet? And when I say missed a chance, what I mean is the teams around us in terms of Chelsea transfer ban, you know, United, okay, they just smashed Chelsea 4-0, but as Conor alluded to, they just don't look anywhere near as good as City and um, and Liverpool. Obviously, Tottenham, they've they've spent a lot so you don't, you know, they they could look better. Arsenal, the signs that they've got, you don't know what they're going to be like. The three teams that I thought were vulnerable this season, Chelsea, Arsenal, United. And I thought this was the perfect opportunity to to get the likes of, you know, Zahar in, get the likes of Zuma in. Because I just feel now that come next season, Chelsea are going to be able to spend, United might have got their act together. You know, you don't you don't know what's going to happen. I, I, I just think this summer was the ideal time, an ideal moment to pounce. Yeah, I mean, there's two ways of looking at it. There's that and say, right, this season we can pounce on the vulnerability of some of them teams. Um, whether we had the 100 million Palace wanted that Chelsea didn't want to sell and by all accounts Watford wanted stupid money for Decoris, you would have had the best part of £200 million pound mm. net there to spend. One, we'd be breaking rules. Yeah, so I, much. I get that. So there's that. I don't think we... Uh, uh, a couple of people have said that to me, and one one of my mates has said that to me about oh, this. This is our chance, and I'm like, well, no, it's not because I want Everton to keep growing as well. So next next year, I want us to keep buying and growing and make sure that we start competing with these sides on a regular basis. It's not just about now. And whereas, yeah, I get what you're saying. If we've done that now, we could really potentially attack the top four. Um, I, I I don't see it as a missed opportunity in that sense because I think we'll still keep growing. So our our objective now is to keep getting better and then next year keep buying better quality players again and eventually we will compete with, with them sides. I've got absolutely no doubt whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to do it the right way. We have to see if we can get some um, additional revenue in terms of commercial and, and, and sponsorship deals and whether that comes to fruition over the next few months. You know, the rumours are... Um, Mr. Usmanov is in, lurking in the background, and might and there might be just one or two deals coming that way where we can then increase net net spend next year. I I think it's all part of a longer term model. Um, so to answer your question, yeah, I think what you're saying is right. We we potentially could have just splashed the cash there and and had a real go at the top four, but I don't think that we've missed it, and that's the end. Mm. I think no, we'll keep growing. The, the, the club's going to keep growing. In three years' time, we're going to be moving into an unbelievably brand new stadium and everything that brings with it. So this is a time for the club to grow on a year-by-year basis rather than saying, let's just throw everything at it right now and go for it. So there's both sides of the arguments, isn't it? I'm more of the, let's keep growing year-by-year and and, and and make sure it's sustainable over the long period. If we splash £200 million now, net, not only would the Premier League be all over us, but there's no guarantee then that, 
that's going to work long term, is it? So I don't know what Connor thinks, but that, I'm just looking at it from a sort of longer term and yeah. think we can keep growing. Well, here. we we have done that in the past, haven't we? You know, under Steve Allscrew, we lost money all over the place, mm. and we lost money on terrible players mm. inevitably. Um, but there wasn't, you know. Chelsea under the transfer ban and United yeah. weren't as bad as they were and yeah. Arsenal have always been a bit flaky anyway but Connor, you know are you on the side of progression season after season which I am fully 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 for by the way um, or you know are you are you with Mark or are you not? <laughs> <laughs> no I, 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 I see I see both sides of the story I think for me this year is, is a chance to close the gap mm. You know, it's a chance to get closer. And I think by getting closer and closing the gap, it, you can enhance better players. And you can sort of say, well, look, you know, if you come in, you could be the difference between us pipping, pipping them, you know. And I know it's, people say, oh, yeah, but it, that's easy said than done. But you have to look, it makes a massive difference being able to attract players with the potential to be Champions League football and, and stuff like that. You know, it. The, the problem we've got is we, we're not going to be able to fork out massive wages. So when you can't fork out massive wages, you've got to have other incentives to bring bring them to the club because the only way you, you get them better players if you're not in the Champions League is by giving them massive wages, mm. which by not just, I think, from a club perspective, we can't do. Marcel Brands also isn't keen on going that way because you look at his recent comments and he's been you know, quite critical of the wage budget and the, the wage... It's been kind of structure life. because you look, you know, like you said earlier, this the Steve Walsh era with Ronald Koeman where we just kind of had this open checkbook and we just went around like throwing money around like it was it was nothing, and then all of a sudden all these players who we brought in were on mega mega wages, and now you look at like Sabalasi, you know Ashley Williams was, was one okay he's gone but he was one where they're on such high figures that no one wants to go near them or touch them, so you end up getting them out on loan, but you're still paying probably eighty percent of the wages, 70% of the wages, because the clubs you send them to, you know, you look at Balassi going to Anderlecht, for instance, they're not going to be able to afford Balassi's whole wages. They're probably paying 20, 30%. Asher Williams, when he went to Stoke, there's no way Asher Stoke will probably paying 50% of Asher Williams' wages because it's probably so high. Mm. So I think for me, it's 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 a chance to close the gap more than anything and, I think, and to prove that we, we can grow and improve and we can kick on. Because there's nothing worse than looking like you've stagnated and you, you've hit the you no know, you've hit the, the point of you've hit your brick wall almost and you, you know you look at other clubs like so, you know your Bournemouth and teams like that they seem to have come to that little bit where it's the same for this year on year it's, get it's, 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 it's not getting any better it's not going you know <laughs> we've been a little bit like that though to be fair yeah, we have but, <laughs> we've got the potential but, but, but you look at it and you think well you know if we can. You know, this, for instance, this year if Mosey Keane come in and starts scoring goals, that should be a, a big better chance of leapfrogging because last year we done incredibly well to get to where we did without having a proven goal scorer in our side. Which, when you look at other teams around the league, we probably weren't the only ones in the, the top 10, 12 clubs who didn't. You know, you look at Leicester, Jamie Vardy, Bournemouth, Callum Wilson. Oh, okay, they're not prolific, you know, proven Aguero style forwards, but they still score 20 plus goals a season. They still score a lot of goals. We didn't have anyone like that that last year. So the fact where we got to was is an achievement. It's about kicking on and almost using it as a way to leapfrog your, your way in. And I, I think this year it it's really is open. And that's where I think that the, the argument does come in that this is the chance to close the gap because you're not going to get a better one in terms of being able to catch Chelsea, being able to catch United potentially. Be, I mean, I think Arsenal will get top four because I think they will, once they get into their stride like Everton, 
will blow teams away with their attacking ability. I think Aubameyang, Lacazette, Pepe. They get, they get Kieran Tierney uh, in, in at the back. You know, Cabellos playing in midfield. I think once they get their team on, they'll, they'll blow the weaker sides away. They might get, don't get wrong, they might get thumped by City and Liverpool because they'll be too open. But they'll blow a lot of the weak, the lower teams away. So I think for us, we could catch Man United and Chelsea. But at the minute, it's, I think it's far too early at the minute to, to, to even look at that because we're one game in. You know, you read some comments on Twitter after one game. We're on for a rough season. We're, we're nothing's changed. The players we brought in aren't good enough. Mm. You read other comments and people are saying we should have spent more money. We should have gone for it. So it's hard to judge this after one game. You, you can't you can't write any conclusion yet because anything could happen. I mean, anything could happen between now. On Twitter for the transfer window, have deleted the app already. I'm a cricket. Yeah, I'm a cricket. If they failed in one area, it was to get it back up centre half, isn't it? I mean, it, and, and mm-hmm. if this time next year they've got Zuma permanently, then I'll praise them to the hell for waiting yeah. for the man. Yeah, exactly yeah. like Klopp did with Van Dijk. Couldn't get him, but I'm waiting for him. I'm mm. not just going to go and buy someone else because the fans want centre half cover. Again, in a way, that, though, it, like, I, I totally agree with what you're saying, but it's a little bit different, isn't it? As in, mm. Liverpool needed, needed Van, um, yeah. Van Dijk to, to change the team. He wasn't coming as a backup. I, Zuma potentially. Could come in just yeah, as yeah. defensive cover, really. Like that's I how the, it's lining up. I think he would have come in to start. I think the he? big difference, though, was, was that you look at Van Dyke and Liverpool. Liverpool went to Southampton and said, "How much money do you want?" We won't be doing that. We will be saying, "What's that?" We will negotiate a deal. You know, yeah. we won't be going. Liverpool ultimately got to a point where they panicked and hit the button and thought, "How much do you want for them? Mm-hmm. Tell us how much you want for them, and we'll pay it." Because we're we've hit the point now where we just we just want them to sign. So it took twelve to eighteen months though for them to do that, didn't it? After all the but we, but we won't get that far. I don't think on Lamb Zuma because I think I, we will have a price in our heads what we want to pay. And if Chelsea say well, we want this, we will say oh wait. Well, I think that's the deal. If you look at it, I've read somewhere that Chelsea can buy Nathan Aki back for forty million in the in, in the thing in the contract that they've put in with Bournemouth. If we can buy him back for forty million within the first. How many years? So I've read that 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 be a deal for Chelsea to do next year, based on the fact that Bournemouth raised them at seventy-five million. So if they, if he comes in and then Zuma comes to us, there, there's your deal that's been lined up. But we've had to wait. What what I can't understand is that they left it so late to try and just get some backup for Mina. Well, Mina was clearly going to step into that centre half yeah. role, which I've got no problem with. But if he gets injured now. Um, well, if a Mason Holgate, I don't rate. I'm afraid, um, and then that's it. Um, that's what I said on last week's podcast. Though Everton surely weren't gullible enough to think that well, they weren't in talks with Chelsea. They must have been in some mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. contact with Chelsea to think Zuma could still sign. Yeah. Why else would you wait that long? And then two days before the transfer window was going to shut, sign get Chris Smaller on loan, yeah. sign get Marco Rojo on loan. Do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. that's not ideal. So surely they must have had some sign that, yeah, yeah, kind of inkling that Zuma were definitely going to yeah. sign. Well, 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 yeah. It's not the first time, is it? Because you, you look back at the. The Olivier, I know it was a different, you know, different management, but the Olivier Giroud transfer, mm. where we seemingly put every egg we had mm. in the Olivier Giroud basket to replace someone Lukaku, mm. got to the eleventh hour of getting a deal over the line, convinced he was coming, and then when he went, oh no, actually I'm going to Chelsea mm-hmm. because I don't want to leave London, you know, thanks, but no thanks, we just collapsed, like just felt like a stack of cards because we had nothing else lined up. You, you hope that we Marcel Brands is a lot more savvy. Than mm. Steve Walsh and Ronald Koeman were back then, but the whole scenario doesn't really. I mean, I was of the belief a, a little bit that they do have someone lined up in Lewis Gibson because I think he's played a lot of pre-season. He, he's played. 
he'd been in around the first team for pretty much the whole of pre-season. They clearly see something in him that they like. They clearly, you know, back with the under twenty three. See him as some, you know, as an option moving forward. But then to go for Rocco and Small and so late on makes you think, well, maybe they didn't. See Do you think there's a lack of quality centre halves around now? Do you? I mean, Leicester, Leicester could name the price for Harry Maguire eighty million, and then they didn't. They couldn't get no one. Mm-hmm. They clearly need a centre half. Um, Arsenal had to go and scrape the battle for David Luiz, who's just clearly not a centre half mm. or not a good one anyway. Um, so yeah, look, it, we'll only uh, know the answer to this next summer, uh, I think. I if, think as well that the big issue we've got is the price, because there's a lot of people out there saying, "Well, Maguire isn't worth eighty million." So, I mean, I seen one thing with Bournemouth who Leicester was supposedly looking at Ake as a replacement for Maguire and Bournemouth said well we want 80 million yep. because we, we think Ake is as good as Maguire well, that's the and, issue uh, isn't and it? then Brighton said that they wanted 40 plus million for Dunk I think mm. Burnley wanted 40 plus million for Tarkovsky mm. because all of a sudden the market just inflates off one off on transfers doesn't yeah, it so, that's what I'm saying, so yeah. all of a sudden it, but then you're paying you know I like Lewis Dunk I think he's a very good centre half but he's not worth 40 million you might pounds. Have to, you know? We might have to go abroad. I don't know. It's just one of them, isn't it? We'll only know the answers to this next year. I mean, would you have paid what you were saying before about now was the chance? If Palace said, I want 100 million for Zaha, would you just, would you have paid 100 million for Zaha? Well, I don't think I don't think he's worth 80 million. I, I just think, you know, we don't know the ins and outs. Only, ever, only people at Everton know the in, ins and outs of, of what's going on. You, you know, we were only meant to put one bid in for Saar, which was on the 28th of July, at 52 million. And then, by all accounts, what's happened is the media have literally just played it up. But there's, surely there was still some sort of incest from Everton. Surely. Incest, That's yeah. what I mean. So I think if he's the man, if he's like your main target, you know, j- just go out and get him. Because I feel like we just look a little bit, you know, weak and, and well, stupid. I thought, I thought we looked a little it's bit stupid with, with the bids we put in for him, the 52 million, because. Arsenal put a £40 million in one, was it 10 days before? Everyone laughed and Palace knocked it back and said we won £80 million. So for them, for us then going with £52 million, well, that, just strikes a bit of like, mm. if he's not been listening to what's being yeah. said for 10 days, you know. Well, it, we just don't know what's getting said there. And they might have got some indication then that Zaha wanted to come. So Everton thought they could drive the price down based on the mm. fact he wanted to come. And then, by all accounts, Parrish is looking to sell his shares in Palace, and so therefore might have accepted less up front. And, mm. uh, uh, and we don't know. So uh, That's what I mean. There's a lot of things that have gone on. I just think if he's the main target, which we don't know. He, he might have been target B or C. Yeah. It might have been mm-hmm. someone else. Might and Malcolm yeah. has obviously talked about. Yeah, well, exactly. <laughs> yeah. But obviously that's come two days before the window shut. So that was a strange one in itself. Obviously going to give him a chance and give him time. I just think it, it, I'm fully behind like everything that we're doing. I just think it smacked of a little bit old Everton. You know, go out and get your player. If you want him, go out and get him. Um, for me, I think Palace probably wanted you know, the 80 million, a lot of it up front and yeah. a lot of ours, you know, negotiating was to bonuses and, mm-hmm. you know, appearances, goals, he's probably scores not even, probably just like scattering the money across that, that, years. a period of time, isn't mm-hmm. it? That's not- how Arsenal got Pepe. It's £72 million deal. Apparently they've paid nothing up front. So there's nothing on this year's balance sheet to suggest they've bought Nicolas Pepe. Mm-hmm. The £72 million starts next year over the next four years. Mm-hmm. So, how great is that a deal if you can attract that sort of player? Whereas Palace are saying, oh, give us 65 million up front. We, we can't afford that. Um, I think we've just tested the water a little bit with the bids to see what they're saying. They might have said, actually, we'll go up to 60 million, but it's still a sort of structured deal. Palace have said, we're miles away. It's not even getting off the ground, this mm-hmm. one. And that seems like what the explanations come out at the end from the likes of 
Paul Joyce, who said, no, they bid. They've talked about maybe going up to 60, but that was it. There was, there was, ne there was never no more. So, yeah, well, I, I think we'll find out next year about who the, who the long-term targets are and the long-term missions are. And obviously, between now and then, it's raising money, and we're doing that by... I mean, I've counted up to 29, 30 players now, but potentially including 23s and releases and loans and sales, with a potential four or five more still to go. We could have had 35 players off the books this summer by 1st of September with seven in. So you have to think that that raised bill, even with the players that have come in, has, has drastically reduced by the tune of 20 to 30 million a year. So over four or five year forecast now, there's 150 million pounds to play with in that respect. Mm. So we can budget now for the next five years for contracts, for, for wages, um, for, for, for fees, for players structured the way Arsenal have just done Pepe. Um, any other commercial deal that comes in and... Uh, you know, I'm sure there will be one or two coming in in the next few months as well. I think it allows us to set up next year for a really big year next year. Um, so it's what's the space on that one? I think. But I think it's it's a it's an overhaul on the whole club, though, yeah, isn't it? it I'm, I'm moving forwards in in, in a, a kind of a more now centered mindset than you know the old Everton. I mean, you know, Saturday struggled the, the old Everton. The fact that we were wearing last year's kit because we haven't got a fair kit yet. And our away kick got knocked back by by the referee that, for that a potential clash. Though, did they? That was ridiculous. No, but <laughs> it, the fact that we put ourselves in that position yeah. that we didn't have an alternative kit to wear because our fake kit. You know, you look at this summer, and I know it's it's a little bit off topic, but you look how late the kits come out this summer. You know, you look at Liverpool; they've got the home kit out before the season finishes. Mm. They have the away kit out before the summer holidays start. The fake kit out is out when the summer holidays start. It's genius because you're targeting the kids when they're going on holiday and stuff. You know, we just seem every year to be faffing around. We got it right last year, didn't we? But know, I think we come to the end of the Umbro contracts and I think then we were fishing around for uh, a new deal with someone and that never materialised. So last minute, we've gone back to Umbro and said, actually, we'll take that deal. It just looks, us. you know, so, it's just massive missed out revenue, isn't it? You know, because yeah. you look like, you know, there's, there's probably thousands of kids who support Everton going on holiday around this time now. They will probably buy an Everton kit, mm -hmm. so you've got to have the Everton kit out ready to go <laughs> for the summer holidays. No, not, it's... not, not whacking it out, you know, in the middle of September. Like, no, the, the away kits come out in September. Kids aren't going to write football kits in September because it's cold. <laughs> you know, Connor's going off on a rant here. They can't it's just, <laughs> let him carry on. It's just, I think, I just think it's, it, it's, it's. You've got to stuff like that, like Marx is about the commerciality and stuff like that. We've got to move with the times and get better. And I think the transfer market, we've got to move with the times a little bit and accept that if you do want players. We have to pay sometimes what other clubs want for them mm. because it's not a case no more of wheeling and dealing and trying to get a bargain because now clubs hold all the power. I mean, you look at, you look at Leicester, they come out and said 80 million from Maguire. It's because they don't really we, need the money, we, do you? Months, months went by of they're going to go in with this, they're going to go in with that. In the end, United just paid the 80 million for them and Leicester agreed to deal. So they could have avoided that two months mm. of to and fro and just paid 80 million for him in the first place so mm. it's it's just the premium on centre half now isn't it so there's no one else like um, the new forwards aren't they you know in well, many respects if Michael Keane has a really good season this year you, you, you might get headhunted next year by certain clubs and you, you know you could name your price for him so I guess we'll only know when we're in that position of selling a player like that and you could argue argue he got short sold and it's just a guy but he's 30 He's 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 a he's a holder midfielder which offers plenty of in the world. It was just his dream to go to Paris, so he's done a deal for nearly thirty million and said, "On you go, mate." No, I, I haven't got a problem with that. I would have a problem with 
a Richarlison or you know one of the young ones coming through, um, selling them on the cheap, which I don't think we'll do. I think we will, we will reinvest that money because that will happen. We will come to a stage where a big club comes in for one of our big players and and they want to go. It's inevitably going to happen, and what we have to do then is maximise that revenue for that player. That's just the, the footballing world. Um, buying Coutinho for ten million and selling for one hundred and forty, and buying Van Dijk and Allison with that money is just outstanding work, isn't it? As much as it pains us to say, that's, that's what we've got. That's, that's, got, that's, got, expi- that's got to aspire to be, isn't yeah, it? That's we've got to aspire to be. Too. Player trading is part of your income and expenditure, and we've got to get that bit right. And I think we will. Um, so. Yeah, interesting times. Next 12 to 18 months, I think, on and off the pitch. Well, we talk for a good hour. Um, so very quickly, we haven't even re- previewed it, but we will preview it in a couple of um, other podcasts on the Royal Blue Channel this week. Um, Wofford, Saturday, Connor, just a quick prediction before we finish. 2-0. 2-0. I was going to say 2-0, so yeah, 2-0. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go 2-1, because I said 2-1 against Palace, and I think Wofford will be, you know... Bang up for it. Yeah, after, well, yeah, but, that, but obviously after what happened against... Um, Brighton. Brighton wasn't it yeah. I had them down to win on me accumulated yeah, as well I don't know like, <laughs> what was going on there because um, they're not a bad team Watford are they so they like say freak results so they'll be bang up for it for both both of them reasons so I think they might get a goal but I, th- I still think we'll, we should get a win so see what happens yep cool alright well uh, Mark thanks for coming on thank you Connor thanks for coming on you've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street fan podcast on the Royal Blue Acast and iTunes channel to the View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.